Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the precious gift it is to have your word. Lord, we need your help if we are to understand it this morning. And so we pray that you may indeed send much of your Holy Spirit into our hearts this morning. May we be convicted by what is said in your word. May you be with me as I speak about what your word says. We pray that your Holy Spirit may be speaking even through me. And Lord, we pray that we may be greatly edified here this morning and be able to serve you all the more fully as a result. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what motivates you to work, to do your job? If you have a job through the week, why do you do your job? Well, usually one of the big draw cards for working is cash, money. We do it to get a stipend. We get it to get money for our labour, our hard labour. And I remember this particularly when I was working at Target when I was going through uni as a sales assistant. I was working there primarily because they paid me. It wasn't that I was particularly enjoying the job, although there were some uh, perks to the job in some ways, uh, but uh, the the people that you meet there, I did uh, get to know some of them a bit. But uh, primarily it was for cash. And so I was very surprised when a friend of mine who worked at Coles had a very similar job when he graduated as a podiatrist like I did, that he continued on the weekends to work at Coles. Uh, He was quite happy to, even though he was making a good wage through the week as a podiatrist now, that he continued working on the weekends. And I said, what are you doing? Why are you still there? And he said, I kind of like the social life that's there. I I kind of like my friends there I've built up over the years. And so I'm not really doing it for the money, going along to Coles each week and working in the frozen food section. I'm going along because of the friends there. And yes, I must admit, I did enjoy my time at Target to some extent, and that's how I met my wife and, uh, and how I got uh, to marry her. But the question then is, is when you work in the ministry or as a pastor, as an elder, should you be doing that job because of money? because you are interested in how much money you can get, which is the reason I was working at Target. It was because I wanted to make as much money as possible uh, through the time that I could spend there on the weekends. Well, Peter says no. We've been looking at the book of 1 Peter for quite some time now, and we've come to chapter 5, and we've been looking at the qualifications for elders and what it means to be an elder of God's people. From uh, chapter 5, which is found on page 1203 of 1 Peter... We've been seeing what it means to be a shepherd of God's flock in verse 2. And then last week we looked at what it means to serve and how we are meant to serve, what sort of attitude we're meant to have when we serve as shepherds of God's flock. And so the kind of people you should have as your elders, what sort of attitude should they have? Well, last week we saw in verse 2 that says, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must but because you are willing as God wants you to be. And so last week we understood that you have to be willing to serve as an elder. You shouldn't be pushed into it. You shouldn't be serving because you simply must and there's nobody else who will do the job. There should be a willingness involved. But then Peter also talks now about another qualification for being an elder, and that is in relation to money. He says in verse 2 also, "...not greedy for money, but eager to serve." Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. And that's what we're going to look at this morning, is this command where he says, not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Because the question is raised, should a minister be doing his job simply because of money, because of cash? And Peter says, obviously, no here, not greedy for money. And 
Paul, the um, apostle, also talks about the qualification for elder, that it shouldn't be about money. He says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 3, elders should not be a lover of money. And then in Titus 1, when he's talking about elders as well, he says, not greedy for gain. They shouldn't be greedy for gain. And so the question is, should elders be interested in money? Should they be getting even money out of Christian work? Is it possible for leaders of church, for people working in Christian ministry, to even gain money? Or are Peter and Paul wasting their time speaking about something that's never actually an option, that they never actually get paid for what they do? And so that's my first main point this morning. I want to look at ways for elders to gain money. Is it possible for them to gain money? If you want to follow along my main points this morning, they're on the back of the church bulletin. I have them listed there. And the first then is ways for elders to gain money. And the truth is there's always been opportunities for people to gain money through Christian work. At a local church level, much money passes through the church's hands. Funds are given for the poor at a very minimum usually, uh, that the church is expected to have cash ready to help those who really need uh, physical necessities. And also funds are given for missionaries so that people can go out and share the gospel. Then there's funds given for support of staff, people who are actually working at the church and they pay them so that they don't have to work in other work to earn that cash, that they can devote themselves more wholly to the work of the church. And then funds are also given for maintenance of ongoing costs at a church. The electricity bill doesn't get uh, waived by the electricity company because we are a church. No, the electricity bill must be paid. And so funds are given into the church and buildings to maintain them and to actually build buildings. Funds are given. And so there's lots of money passing through a church's hands. And then not just at a local church level is there money given for Christian work. There's money given for Christian work at different levels, uh, different other parachurch organizations like Colleges, theological colleges, people are serving, teaching future pastors, and money then passes into those colleges uh, to employ lecturers. Missionaries, of course, uh, are receiving funds, parachurch organizations that uh, work in different ones. We've just heard one this morning about AFES. Money passes into that so that students can be supported uh, in or staff to teach students about Jesus Christ. And then, of course, you can make money from Christian work in writing books, uh, making videos, and uh, other types of material, educational material, about God's kingdom. So there's a lot of money passing into Christian organizations. And the question is, is it wrong for that to be happening? After all, Jesus says, freely you have received, freely give. Is it wrong for people to be paid to do Christian work? Well, some people think so. Some denominations even don't pay their elders anything. They don't pay them a cent because they think it's wrong that you should be paid for doing Christian work. But we see in the New Testament that people are regularly paid for doing Christian work. Paul himself talks about being supported by the Philippian church as he went out as a missionary. So at least we have an example in Paul that missionaries can be paid uh, for what they do so that they can be freed up to teach the gospel. Jesus talks himself about his disciples and says, for the worker deserves his wages. As they go out to share the gospel, he says they deserve to be paid. 
We also see Jesus himself and his disciples being supported not by going around doing tent making like Paul did or some other ministry. We see actually women contributing to their needs. We see that in Luke chapter 8 verse 3 it says these women were helping to support them out of their own means. People were donating money, women were donating money so that Jesus and his disciples could eat, have their physical necessities provided for so that they could then spend their time teaching people about God. And then Paul himself gives uh, clear instructions about the way that elders are supposed to be paid uh, for what they do. In 1 Timothy 5 he says, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honour especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain. And the worker deserves his wages. He says, you should see your elder as an ox and he's treading out the grain, which means he's he's doing laps and circling uh, so that the grain is broken up. And you don't muzzle him. You uh, You put a feed bag on him so he can eat while he's doing his little laps. And he says that's what an elder is. As he's doing his little laps of circling around the community and sharing the gospel and supporting people and encouraging them, you're meant to be feeding him. You don't muzzle him so he can't eat. You feed him. He deserves wages. And he expands on that in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 as well. And uh, you can look that up later. Uh, He has quite a few verses about how the people who tend a flock deserve to drink some of the milk. In farming, we always, the farmer gets some produce from his labour, and so it should be for elders of a church as well. So we see that there are ways for elders to gain money, and right ways for them to gain money, that they should be paid for their work as they teach the church. But then you have to ask the question, is it necessary to warn elders about being greedy for money, as Peter does here in verse 2 of 1 Peter chapter 5? He says they should... uh, not, not greedy for money, but eager to serve. They should not be eager for money, but greedy to serve. Is it really necessary to say that, yes, they get funds, but is it necessary to warn the people and the elders themselves not to be greedy for money? Yes, pay them, but surely elders don't face the temptation of being greedy, of going after funds, of doing the work simply because they can get paid. Well, that brings me to my second main point this morning, ways for elders to be greedy for money. We see again and again that people who are in charge of God's people, who are doing ministry work, can be greedy for money. And we just saw an example from the Old Testament with Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, involved in full-time ministry, and he was greedy for money. He was greedy, and so he ended up being leprous for the rest of his life, and even his descendants were cursed uh, because of his actions in being greedy for money. And elders can be greedy today for money as well. They are sinners just like everybody else, and they have that temptation to go after money. Why go after money? Why do people hunger after money so much? Why do people get greedy for it? Well, money offers security and pleasure And we can go after it in a sense that we minimise the the security and pleasure that we should be receiving from God instead. We can make money into a God, that it becomes the source of our pleasure, it becomes the source of our security, and so when we have trouble, we throw money at it rather than go to our God for help. And elders are tempted by that as well. A pastor can look at ministry as a 
way of just providing for his family, an easy way of providing for his family as well. Because if you face it, elders, it's a hard job in some ways, but if you want to have an easy life, uh, you can, your time is very much self-directed. And you can, you can cover up for a lot of laziness through the week fairly easily, particularly if you're fairly bright and, uh, and have a bit of a good understanding of the Bible. You can sort of mosey along, and when it starts to come a bit unraveled, well, then what do you do? You move on to the next church another area. Every couple of years you might move on. And you can treat the ministry as simply a way to pay the bills. Or you can even treat the ministry as a way to make an awful lot of money. We see some people have used Christian work to make increasing large sums of money. We see this with televangelists, the ones who um, are notorious and have been exposed again and again uh, for trying to say that they're doing one thing and that they're godly people when all the time all they're interested in is making large sums of money. They are sinners just like everybody else. And so there is a need to warn elders that they should not be greedy for money, that they should keep their focus on what is right and good and on, on God rather than be hungering after money. Because there's always going to be that temptation for an elder to go after money because of that security that it provides. And particularly in times of persecution, which is what 1 Peter is all about. 1 Peter is a letter written to a persecuted people. And elders, when they're in trouble for serving, money becomes an attractive option. You can even start to think that you deserve lots of money to compensate for the suffering that you're experiencing as a leader of God's people. If you work hard and are poorly paid, well, then you start to want to go after that money more and more because you think you deserve it. I think that's how some people I've even heard speak of in their own secular jobs. They steal stationery from the employer. They think it's no problem to take home a stapler or to take home free pens because I work hard there. And I suffer so much from my boss, and so it just makes sense that I should be a little greedy for some stationery out of the stationery cupboard. It's not really stealing. It's what I'm owed. And there can be that greediness with elders when they're suffering greatly. They can start to think more and more about what they are owed and deserve in terms of money. So it is right that Peter warns elders not to be greedy for money. There's a lot of money floating around in Christian organisations and there's a temptation for elders to have a focus on money because they are sinners. And we've got to remember that. So how can this command to be, uh, be fulfilled, not to be greedy for money? He says they should not uh, be greedy for money but eager to serve. So how do we fulfil that? We can see that it's a necessary command. I want to look now at two ways that this command can be fulfilled. And the third, so that brings me to my third main point this morning, ways for a paid elder to be, keep from being greedy for money. Ways for a paid elder to keep from being greedy for money. I make a point of saying paid elder there because not all elders are always paid. We have lay elders. We have two in our church of three. Two do not receive a dime uh, for their labours, but I am a paid elder of the church, and lots of churches have paid elders. And so I want to come up with a few ways 
that we can keep from being greedy for money, that elders should. And really, I want you all to learn from these ways on how not to be greedy for money yourself. Because greed is a real problem for everyone, not just for leaders of churches who are paid. We all struggle with that God of security and pleasure that comes from money instead of focusing on our pleasure and security from God. And so I want to look at you in your job as well as the pastor on how to avoid being greedy for money. And my first way is by cultivating an eagerness in serving God. Cultivating an eagerness in serving God. And that's there in verse 2. He says what you shouldn't be, greedy for money, but eager to serve. Eager to serve. This word eager is a strong verb expressing enthusiasm in the Greek and a devoted zeal. And so basically what he's saying is you should be viewing your job not just as a job by which you make money, but as a calling, as a a job that has been given to you by the Lord. And it's not about how much money you make in your job. It's about how you serve God in it. And so you should be eager to serve because you know that this job is from the Lord. And that goes for all of you. All your jobs are God-given jobs that you have been given. And you may see them as another day, another dollar. But you should recognize that that is a place that God has put you to serve a particular role in society. And you serve him for his glory in that place. Yes, it is good that they pay you to do your job so that you can pay your bills and survive. But ultimately, we see again and again in the New Testament, even slaves told to serve your masters as to the Lord. And so we should all be doing that. We should be eager to work, not so that we can make a lot of money, but eager to work because that is what God has created us to do and that is why he has given us that job. And so we should all be cultivating that kind of eagerness. Now, how do you make that eagerness come up in your life? How do you make a job that you may find painful and being a minister can be very painful at times? How do you make that pleasurable, that it's not all about how many dollars you'll make? Well, you just keep coming back to the cross. If you want to take pleasure in the most mundane of jobs or the most painful of jobs, just come back to the cross. Because when you understand what it is to be a great sinner a terrible sinner, how much you've sinned against the holy God and then how much he has poured out his love for you by sending Jesus Christ, then whatever he asks of you, whether it be a painful or boring job, then you should do it with a great eagerness and great pleasure to serve him because he has called you to that task. You come back to the cross again and again in your life You should see the cross as a way to enjoy all that life brings to you, including the most mundane of jobs. And if you're not a Christian and you're here this morning, I want to encourage you to understand that is what Christianity is all about. Christianity is all about the cross. It not The cross we think of as Jesus repenting and believing in Jesus dying at the cross is just how we begin the Christian life. No, it is how the Christian life continues again and again. We've got to come every day back to the foot of the cross. And if you're not a Christian, I encourage you to understand that that is the greatest source of pleasure known to man, is to come and put your, put your um, bow down before 
Jesus Christ at the cross, trusting that he died for you. Because once you understand how terrible a sinner you are and how great a saviour Jesus Christ is, it makes all of life make sense and all of life pleasurable because you are now serving a God who loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you. And if you're not a Christian, I encourage you to do that. Recognise what a sinner you are and trust in Jesus Christ's death for you. It is the only way of knowing peace with God and then peace with your fellow man, including that boss at work who you may just serve because you can get some money out of it. Jesus Christ is the only way for true pleasure, for true security in life, in this life and also in the next. So firstly, if you want to overcome greed, cultivate an eagerness in serving God. Secondly, cultivate a proper interest in money. Cultivate a proper interest in money. See, sometimes we think, oh, money's so bad and greed's so bad that we just throw any consideration of money out the window. And some people just seem to make no effort whatsoever to take an interest in money, and they say, oh, God will provide, and then when God doesn't, in their eyes, they think that, oh, well, God's failed some way. And you see some people like this. They say, oh, we'll go around tripping around Australia and tell people about Jesus, but they, they take no consideration as to how they're going to do that. And they expect when they rock up to different towns that churches there will support them because they've got this calling from God to serve by going around Australia and sharing the gospel. And they've taken no careful consideration as to how they're going to provide for their 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 physical necessities as they do that. And so we need to take an interest in money. Peter doesn't say, throw all your cash out the window. He says, not greedy for money. Greed is the problem. Having cash is not a problem. It's when you're greedy for cash that there's a problem. And so ministers and you should also take an interest in cash so that you can provide for your necessities And so that you're not forced to steal and you're not going in the other end where you're greedy to a point where that becomes the focus of your life. I love Proverbs 30, verse 8 and 9. I found it when I was a teenager and I've always loved to look on it again and again. Where Proverbs 38, 9 says, Give me neither, it's a prayer to God, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Two extremes. One is you are so poor that you end up stealing. The other extreme is you have so much that you don't see a need for God. What he wants is, I want to be in that elusive middle. I want to be there. And I want so that I honour God, but I don't sin to try and get money. And so a minister and you should make sure that you are having those necessities that you have provided for. There should be an interest in cash that you can pay your electricity bill, pay your rent, Pay for your food, pay for your clothing, so that you can continue serving God. And so an elder of a church should make sure that the church is paying him appropriately. Some pastors seem to just go in and they don't pay any attention to what sort of pay package is for them. And their families suffer horribly because the church is not very keen on paying them much either. There should be a proper interest in money because otherwise serious sin can happen in another way. Not through greed for money, but through poverty and through extreme circumstances that problems can emerge. How else can we not be greedy for money? 
Well, we should shun worldly interests. We should shun worldly interests where we have a focus on interest in cash, where we're constantly checking bank balances and things like this and how our shares might be doing in a share market. We should also examine our spending. You can be greedy in the way you spend, uh, or the, the money you go after, but you can also be greedy in the way you don't spend. The Bible calls this stinginess, where we are constantly trying to save money. Not out trying to earn money, but trying to save money. And I've even recognised this recently in my own life. When the carbon tax came in, I got really scared about how much money was going to be lost on electricity. And so I went round every night turning off PowerPoints all around the house. I turned off the PowerPoint at the microwave so the little blue light wasn't running all night. Turn off the, the power board at the back of the TV so all the little lights on the TV and the uh, DVD player and everything wouldn't be running through the night. And I recognised how much time am I wasting being stingy with electricity costs, which is very fractional anyway in the grand scheme of things. I was wasting this time worrying about electricity costs. And so we've got to be careful about how we can become very stingy with our money as well, which is really greed as well. It's a greed for money not through serving, but through not spending money. And we should also examine our own interests in what money can buy. Because it's not just being greedy for money uh, that can be the problem. It can be greedy for money so that I can be greedy for certain things that I don't need at all. And so we have to be careful about that. So that's how the pastor and even you can keep the command of not being greedy for money. What about the church? I want to now just change for, for how a church can help a pastor not be greedy for money but eager to serve. Because I think a church has a big role to play in making sure their pastors are not greedy for money as well. Firstly... Make sure your staff are paid appropriately. Remember, Peter isn't saying here that you shouldn't pay your elders anything. They should be paid appropriately for their work, as we saw from those other texts. And elders shouldn't be living on next to nothing. Some churches have this attitude, we'll keep the pastor humble by keeping him poor. He won't have uh, a struggle with worldliness because he won't be able to pay for anything that is worldly. He won't be able to pay for extravagant uh, things in his house, possessions, or for extravagant trips around the world because we will keep him poor. But that's not a right attitude at all. A pastor should be well paid. He should be worthy of his wages. If he is worthy of his wages, then he should be paid. And a well-paid pastor then won't face the temptation, well, won't face it as much, of trying to steal money, trying to get money, to try and to think, oh, I serve them so much, they pay me so little, so I'm going to look at ways to skim money off to me as compensation for my hard work. You shouldn't put a pastor in that kind of position. And I must admit and thank I say that I thank the Lord so much for the generosity of Dremoyne Baptist Church toward me. You pay me very well. You look after me very well. Most of you wouldn't have any idea how much I get paid. Uh, you might have some sort of guess from uh, the annual reports each week, uh, each year at the AGM. But many of you don't even know how we come about to how much do we pay Joel. And I, um, I have to say that a few... Um, 
uh, when I first started, I got I get paid at a stipend that comes recommended by the Baptist Union, and I started at the first level because, of course, I came straight out of college. And then I've been moving progressively further down, but then it stops because I have not been to the Baptist Union College and studied an extra two years full-time. I went to the wrong college for three years. And so the Baptist Union doesn't recommend that my pay continues to increase after I've been out for three years. But the elders last year, without me pushing them in any kind of way or um, trying to get them to um, consider this, they said, no, we'll just keep you going at the next level up. And so I'm continuing to get increase in pay as my years progress in being in ministry at a higher rate of pay than what the Baptist Union recommends. And they said that's because I do, uh, I'm worthy, the worker is worthy of his wages. And it's interesting because I actually considered going to the Baptist Union uh, and, and getting accreditation, this uh, special status. And, uh, and I said to them, what, why should I seek accreditation? And one of the reasons, they gave me two reasons. One was that if I change churches, I take that accreditation status with me. I said, well, I'm planning on staying at one church for the rest of my life, so that doesn't really bother me. And the other was, you'll increase your pay. And I said, well, if I was interested in pay, I would have stayed in my old job. I would have made a lot more money as a podiatrist. And so I said, oh, well, no, no worries, I won't bother. And that was a few years. Uh, that was when I was just looking at going into ministry, uh, coming out of college my first year out. And now I get paid that rate anyway. So, um, but I have to commend you. I'm thank, so thankful for a church that does look after me and my family so well in terms of pay. So that's the first way that you can help your paid elder. Make sure he's paid appropriately. Secondly, make the pastor's service as much a joy as possible through submission. Hebrews 13 says, Obey them, talking about leaders, so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Make it a joy. Make the the paid elders of a church joyful in their service of you because if they aren't joyful if they're experiencing pain and persecution from even the flock itself then of course they're going to try and start taking advantage of the flock they're going to look at that kind of idea of compensation make it a joy for them so they don't face that temptation of hurting you by seeking pleasure in money because they're not getting paid appropriately and they're not getting uh, people submitting to them as they should And then thirdly, another way to prevent the pastor from being greedy for money is have lay people administer the funds with accountability structures. Don't make the pastor the the treasurer of the church as well. If he becomes the treasurer, well, then there's going to be a big temptation because no one really, uh, well, you might have an auditor, uh, but it's difficult sometimes for the auditor to catch uh, if someone's forging stuff. Don't do that. Have lay people administering the funds and I should say about Des Moines Baptist Church as well. You do that very well. You have lay people doing it. I don't touch a single dollar at all. Well, when I get paid, I do, but I don't administer that cash at all. It's all done by other people with accountability structures. And so you do these things, but I want to commend you in doing them. You're paying me appropriately. You're submitting to me. It's such a joy to serve you, as I even said last week. Um, There's no thought in my heart of trying to get cash out of you because you all treat me so badly. It just doesn't happen. And then you've got accountability structures. And so we need to take warning from this passage, though. We need to recognise that greed for money is a problem that everyone faces. Do you recognise that? Including pastors. We have to be very careful. Do you cultivate in your own life an eagerness to serve God 
and not money. And do you try and keep your pastor from being greedy for money by paying him well, submitting to him so his work is a joy and having accountability structures at your church? If this is not your church, then I encourage you to consider those things so that your pastor can obey this command and not be greedy for money. Let us speak with him now. Let us speak with our God. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the elders that you do give churches, and we thank you that many of them do not struggle with greed for money. But Lord, it is such a reality that elders of churches are indeed sinners. And so, Lord, we pray that they may cultivate in their own hearts an eagerness to serve. And we pray that the people under them may not be greedy for money either, but they may be eager to serve you in whatever way they have been called to serve you. Lord, we do also pray for churches, that they may be careful to pay their pastors appropriately, that they may not starve their pastors, but that they may see that a worker is worthy of his wages. And Lord, we do also pray that the churches of pastors may be submissive to them so that their work is a joy. And Lord, we pray that accountability structures may be put in place as well so that pastors just don't face that temptation. We've seen again and again, even in our own lifetimes, how pastors have embezzled churches. And we pray that this may not be. We pray that people may be wise in churches so that such things do not happen. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.